Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by Pastor Stephen Sexton. If you would like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. So we're talking today. We're going to end up this Love Is series. Have you ever known someone who was hard to love? Do, do not look at them. Do not point. No elbows. Keep your elbows inside the chair, okay? Have you ever known someone hard to love? We'll, we'll call them difficult. Difficult. Maybe you have been in a season once or twice in your life where you, in fact, have been the uh, difficult one. <laughs> I'm sure we've all experienced those moments. The other day, I was having one of my random, like, zone-out moments. I was scrolling through the Facebook feed. Come on, how many of y'all know that's where you kind of zone, looking through everybody's highlights? And there was this one person that I saw that had changed their relationship status to complicated. (laughs) And I was like... I mean, it caught me off guard. You know what I'm saying? And so I had all of these emotions. I'm just being very transparent with you. I had all of these emotions flood me in like just two or three seconds. I was concerned. I was confused. I was critical. You know what I'm saying? I was moved with compassion. All of it. I was like, you know, I I was concerned. Oh. And then I was like, what happened? (laughs) Come on, being honest. Being honest. And then I was like, why would you post that on Facebook? <laughs> like I had that, that moment. Anybody ever have those moments? And then I was like, oh, I need to call them. You know what I mean? It was like all of this in like 30 seconds. And I thought to myself, man, how many times I had felt that way about relationships in my own life. It's complicated. And how glad I was that I didn't post it, you know, in, in that moment. And then as I started, I mean, I just kind of went into this thought, and I began to focus, and I, and, I, and I began to think, man, how overwhelming I was, how overwhelmed I was with gratefulness that God had never changed my status. That he continued to love me no matter how many times I acted or responded in a way that hurt our relationship. And church, here's the thing. Today, I believe that someone needs to know that God will never quit on you. God will never quit on you. I believe that he's calling you. He's waiting on you. And today, he is knocking on the door of your heart with this example of unconditional love. And he wants to teach us how to receive love and how to give love. As we talk today, my assignment is love is complicated. It's complicated. You know what I'm saying? It just is. And we can Christianize it and we can say all of these buzzwords. But the truth is, if you're going to love hard, there's going to be a little complication with loving people for a long time. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 40. We're going to put it on the screen. It says, Teacher, 
which is the greatest commandment of the law? Now, let me just back up. Jesus got questions all the time. Now, this question was a setup. You understand? You understand? This was a setup. The, the religious people of the day were wanting Jesus to pick and choose which of the Ten Commandments, come on, was the most important one so that he could then be disqualified. Uh-oh. So you're saying one of the ten, and it was a bait. It was, it was trying to catch him. And so Jesus begins to talk about what the most important commandment of the law is. 37. And then he says to him, you shall love the Lord God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Do you know that there is this idea in faith that God is wanting us to have this all-in type of relationship. Not casual, not just uh, when I get around to it, not when it fits into my schedule. God in your life wants to be an all-encompassing. Uh, you know, I have four kids, so I can equate this to pizza. God, God is not wanting a slice of your life. He wants the whole pie. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. He wants to consume everything. When we think there is a story that Jesus would talk about, the mustard seed faith, and it's amazing when you talk to people who plant mustard seeds, that, that seed in and of itself when you plant that seed, it is, it, it is known as the seed that takes it all because wherever it plants, the roots continue to grow until it takes all of the territory. God doesn't want all of it now, but he'll, he's in relationship and he wants all of it. And then he wants you to step and grow. That's why we have all of these opportunities for you to step and grow. Because here's the deal. We want to be a church where, you know what? If you're broken and you're hurting and there's been adversity happening in your life, just come and park it for a little while. We don't need you to serve. We don't need you to, we need you to heal. But here's the deal. We don't need you to stop. We don't need you to stop because here's the thing. As you begin to sow your gifting, your seeds, your mind, your talent, your treasures, as you begin to sow, something happens, into your, happens to your heart and you begin to invest where you sow. You begin to care about the people and you begin to care about the kids and you begin to care about... And so what happens is a relationship begins to form because you're invested and God has invested in you, and he wants you to invest in others. Look at this. The great, this is the great and first commandment. And on the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depend on all the law and the prophets. So basically there were ten commandments. And if you look at all ten, the first four deal with God and our relationship with God. The last six deal with man, how we deal with mankind. Jesus basically, in a couple sentences brought all Ten Commandments into the conversation, and he said, you love God with everything that you have, and you love people the way you want to be loved. Yeah. All ten. It was a drop-the-mic moment, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Boom, you know what I'm saying? Hashtag whatever you want, something creative. But the reality is he covered all ten in this one sentence. First yeah. John chapter 4, verse 18, it says this, there is no love... There is no fear in love. 
Perfect love casts out all fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected by love. Now, we need to talk a little bit, because I believe maybe where you grew up or maybe your church background, there is this idea that God is waiting with lightning bolts ready to, to, to zap you and fry you every time you make a mistake. But the truth is that there is not fear in God's love. Now... We do agree that there is a healthy fear of the Lord, but that fear is not scary like Friday the 13th. <laughs> that's, not, that's, not, uh, that's not that type of fear. It's more, when we say that, it's more honor and reverence and respect. You know what I'm saying? Like a good father, this, his, his son or daughter growing up has trained his children that when daddy speaks... There is authority there, and now you have my attention because I honor and I vow. Does that make sense? But God is not wanting you to be scared of his presence. i got to go to church because if not, God, I'm so sorry. And and now you can't have a relationship with him because you're so focused on the fear that he's not accepted you. He's accepted you. He loves you. Think about this. Jesus. I was just sharing this with someone earlier this week. Jesus, before he started his ministry, he has this moment with John the Baptist where he goes and gets baptized. And before he starts his ministry, before people get saved, before the Holy Spirit moves, before there's healing, before there's prophecy, before there's anything that you would equate as valuable, God opens up the heaven and gives him a title. Tells him he's accepted and tells him that he's well pleased before he does anything. As an adopted son and daughter of God, you have a title. And the title is given to you by blood. You don't have to perform. You don't have to work for it. Come on, somebody. This is what I'm saying. You don't have to perform for it. You don't have to. Well, if, if I memorize the Roman road and, and, I, and I know the Bible and I... And I Don't get it twisted. God is also into holiness. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm talking about before you do anything, you are titled, you are accepted, you are well pleased. That's Jesus got any of that before he started. Some people in this place, you need to know that. That does not mean, see, here's the deal. We don't know how to, to reconcile in our life value and productivity. Those are two different things. Value is intrinsic, and God says you're valuable. Now there is this expectation that you use your gifts, and you use your mind, and you use your talents to produce for the kingdom. Does that make sense? Come on, that's good. And so if we, if we don't understand that, then we invert these, and we think I'm working for God's love, and if I do enough, and if I, then, then he will accept me and he will love me. No, that's done. Love is settled. Now we're moving into you managing your own life, attitude, responses, and gifts. And that's something totally different. As we look at this, it says, look look at this. Fear has to do with punishment. 19. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother... He is a liar. Any li- no, just, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Listen. 
For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brothers. Now, here's a brother. Now, here's what I'm telling you. Listen, look. It's like our nation needs to understand that. The truth of the matter is, we have a position and a mandate and a missional component on our life to love. Can you believe what you just read? Jesus and John are laying down some truth for us to understand, and they want to leave no room for confusion. Here's what it says. You shall love. You shall love. Now, I don't know how you respond when people tell you, you're going to do this. <laughs> Come on, if you're anything worth your salt, there's a little, your hairs can stick up a little bit. And you're like, oh, you're telling me what to do. But I'm telling you right now, I'm grown. You know, I'm, but the truth is, Jesus and John are saying, you shall do this. You, you, you sh- this is what we do, and if you don't do what we do, you're not us. You're not us. Listen, here's the thing. You shall. This is a command. John echoes it. You shall. This is a command. In the Bible, there seems to be this idea that love is our responsibility. It's our responsibility. Now, I mean, I'm not talking about Nicholas Sparks' kind of love, you know, for all of you readers out there. You know, we're talking about agape love. Uh, Agape love, that's the highest form of love. That's unconditional. For us, love is a missional component. And that doesn't mean that, that it's not hard. It's not hard. Sometimes loving, come on, come on. Is there some people in your life that you're just like, (laughs) and Christians, you know how we do it. Because we, we get, like, theological on people, and so we're like, you know, I love you, but I don't like you. <laughs> the Bible says I have to love you, but I, let's talk about all this today. Listen, today I want to talk about four reasons why love is complicated. Four reasons why love is complicated, and I think if we know this, we'll be able to deal with it a little bit easier. The first one is this. All neighbors have issues. All, it says, love your neighbor. In the passage we just read, you shall love your neighbor. We all come from different backgrounds and past and hurts. People carry wounds in and out of relationships. Loving people isn't easy. Come on, we all know a difficult person, a coworker who would do anything to get ahead, a negative employer. An attitude of someone around you. People have faults. Have you ever been around someone? Like you were having a great day until they showed up. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you were happy. You know what I'm saying? Now you hadn't thought about it. You were by yourself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's very hard to argue by yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's like I was by myself and I was happy. Yeah, but you won't stay happy by yourself. <laughs> Listen. The truth is. This person walks in, and it's amazing how that toxic thought, that toxic attitude can get on you. And all of a sudden, you're in this conversation by the, by the water, whatever, cooler, and they're like, can you believe that? And you're like, and after a while, you're like, yeah! You're like, you're drinking the water hard. Tell them. Tell them. Listen. Listen. All neighbors have issues. 
Don't let the nasty get on you. Don't let the nasty get on you. I have this thing about me. I hate stickiness. I don't like sticky. And I feel like every time my kids eat a lollipop or a sucker or some donut or something with stickiness, they feel the insatiable need to give me a hug afterwards. And I'm like, hug your mother. Don't hug me. You know what I'm saying? I will hug you when you are clean out of the shower. You have cleaned every orifice of your body. Then you can come hug me, but don't hug me. You know what I'm saying? And so they're like, and it's like when your kids were very young, it was like they, they didn't understand they just saw you. You know what I mean? And so it's like, I just saw you like five seconds ago, and they're like, Dad! I'm like, all I can see is drippy, uh, dri- like syrupy. I'm like, you know, I'm holding their head back, and they're trying to tell. I was very aware that my children had this substance on them, but sometimes we're not very aware that there's an attitude rolling in that is getting on us and it's affecting our ability to love. And now we've picked up somebody's chip and somebody's offense and it has ruined our day and we don't even know why we're mad. But I'm, I'm, I'm ter- I had a terrible day. Well, what happened? They didn't pay you? No, they, they paid me. <laughs> they made you stay after? No. I mean, no. Uh, uh, I mean, you didn't get to eat? No, I had a good lunch. Uh, someone, someone punched you in the face? No, 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 nobody, nobody said anything. Why was your day bad? I don't really know. I talked to three people, and I just, uh, their day was bad, so my day was bad. Hey, no, their day's terrible. You know what I mean? Listen, be careful. It just gets on you. It just gets on you. Listen, your neighbor is your coworker, your classmate, the bank teller, the server, the Walmart employee. Those who are in proximity to you are your neighbor. Neighbor, it does not talk about classification. It does not talk about age. It does not talk about race. It does not talk about any of these things. It says your neighbor, the people who are around you. Come on, how many of y'all, you got a neighbor that's like, be honest, like, they don't ever take their trash out on time. Okay, the trash does not stay out all week long. Put your trash up. Or mow your lawn. Dear Lord. You know, like you bought this house and didn't know you had to mow it? You know, I mean, it's like, come on, have you ever had a neighbor that you're just like, <sighs> a roommate? Come on, someone living next to the door that like you're trying to study, and all of a sudden they're playing music that you hate. You hate the one style of music you cannot stand is the one they're playing loud. I'm trying to study. My parents are going to take me home if I don't pass. Neighbor, here's the thing. It's, it's, it's sad for me that I feel like we have people that can't wait for revival to happen but have never met their neighbor. Oh, God, we just need revival. Oh, Lord, fall. We need revival. I believe that. I believe we need to pray. And supernaturally, we need revival. But here's the deal. If in the natural, you will not walk across and meet your neighbor, then I think that nothing supernatural can happen. See, you can't make them like you. That's the presence of God. But if you don't go over there, you'll never be used. See, if... The church 
doesn't get the fact that we are the representation of God's love. Then what draws them to church? Then we have to have great programs. And we have to have superstar this and superstar that because what we're, we're trying to come up with the next cool fad that will draw them to the church because we don't love. We don't know how to love. Our brokenness causes us not to love. We're distracted on all of our imperfections until we don't love. We've disengaged from society. Here's the thing. All neighbors have issue issues and you're going to have to love them even though they're not perfect you're going to have to love them even though they're not perfect because you're not either the second thing I think happens is we get hard hearts when, 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 when the re, one of the reasons that love is complicated is because people get hard hearts their hearts begin to come begin to hard where the presence of the Lord is concerned. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. <coughs> Excuse me. What that means is the Bible is telling us that the condition of your heart will determine how your life turns out. How do you know that you're dealing with someone who has a hard heart? And I'm, I'm telling you this for, for everybody else, obviously. You know what I'm saying? Uh, just so you can have a little checklist. But when my heart begins to get hard, these are some things that I, I have to check. The first is this. They don't feel like talking to anyone. They stop being vulnerable. They don't want to be accessible. And so they withdraw from a relationship because I don't know what people are going to want. I don't know what people are going to ask. I don't know. And, I, and, and the anxiety of not knowing is bigger than I would rather just live in solitude. And what happens is our heart begins to get hard when we feel like we don't. Because here's what happens is a missional person says, I go to church just like I go to work. To affect somebody's life. The other idea is I just go to church and I'll try to leave as fast as I can because I don't want to have a conversation with anybody. I don't really want to know anybody. Come on. Come on. We have built a culture that is okay with surface, but every major transformational moment I've had in my life it was a sit down with someone who I allowed into my life to impart something that I didn't know to teach me something I didn't know about God and here's the deal you can't get that on the surface the second thing is everyone's advice seems bad to them everybody's advice you can tell when your heart begins to get hard because everybody's advice is bad the Bible calls us stiff-necked and says that we only think what's right in our own mind. The truth of the matter is, if everybody's wrong about the same thing, maybe they're not wrong. You know what I'm saying? The Bible says that there's truth in counsel. And so here's the thing, is if everybody, and I, I, what we do is we take the 1%, 
of God wanting to move us and orchestrate us, and we make that 1% or 2% of God wanting to do something in our life, like Abraham, leave your family. I'm sure all of his family were like, no, stay. But so we take that one story and we apply it to 100%, but there's a countless other scripture verses and, and talks about counsel and, and two or three people and, and how to connect and what to do and how to, does that make sense? Like there's other portions of the scripture and you can know your heart begins to get hard when everyone's advice seems bad. The second thing, you know your heart's getting hard when happiness for others' success is overshadowed by criticism. Oh, yeah, no, they're great, <laughs> but have you ever known those people that are like, you're awesome, you're awesome, you're awesome, and then all of a sudden, the hand is building momentum, and you don't see it, whap, <laughs> and you're like, whoa, oh, man, our boss is, awesome. but, 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 I love where I'm working, <laughs> but, I love my job, but, come on, I love my husband, <laughs> But I, I, I love my wife, but, and here's what happens is we've got way too many buts in the way, and for love to really happen, you got to get your butt out of the way. Does that make sense? <laughs> See, we can't love because our heart get, begins to get hard. And you can always hear it. You can always hear it. Oh, and, 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 and it's not life-giving, and it's not what God's going to do, and it's not the answer. It's a problem. It's a problem focus. And I'm not saying that we don't handle problems. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying, when, when you cannot be happy for someone else in the body of Christ, you can't be happy for someone else at work, you can't... You kind of got that stank face, you know what I'm saying? Listen, listen. Another way that I have been able to identify the hardness of heart, even in my own life, is when my emotions grow cold to the stuff that I should care about. See, I used to be convicted by that. I used to have compassion toward that area. I used, come on, is, and it's amazing. Little by little, when you start to grow, you can become religious. And you turn up your knowledge and you turn down your sensitivity to people. And so instead of seeing someone hurting, you have all the reasons why they shouldn't be in that area. Well, of course, duh. It'll never work like that because you did. Duh, 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 duh. Get saved, get right, get repent, then go on. <laughs> Listen to what I'm saying. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, that, I'm not saying that part of that is not true. But we're talking about our ability to love people and when we have a hard heart, and listen, listen, your heart doesn't break for the things that break God. That all we hear is criticism and how bad this is. Oh, you know, the church of today and, you know, the him and, you know, him and the man and the boss and the him. You're a miserable person. Like, you're a miserable person. How does it feel to be the kingdom of right and there's only one person in your kingdom? Come on. Love will always leave a bigger impact. Always. So how do we deal with hard heart? We begin to pray. We begin to pray. Love finds a way to influence others. Love finds a way to influence others. 
Jesus was continually teaching this idea. He wasn't trying to outline how to be a good spouse or how to live the best single life ever as a Christian. Jesus was saying that you overcome the hardness of your heart when you become a follower of me and you lose your life and you begin to identify your life through me. In other words, he was saying Jesus didn't give out relationship advice for his followers. He gave followers advice to people in relationships. In other words, you become a follower of me, and I will teach you how to do life and be healthy and be whole. I'm not trying to give you a concept so that you can stay in your relationship. I want to change everything in your life. This makes sense. I'm going to do a verse, and I'm not trying to make anybody mad, so just tell me you love me before I read it. Come on. So here's the deal. Oh, let's just talk. I might have a transparent moment. So here's the thing. How do I, as a shepherd, love people regardless of where they're at, but then teach biblical truths that will change their life? You understand that both of those will be in conflict with one another every now and then, right? Okay? If I'm going to talk, um, talk about purity, then I'm going to cross a lane and... Some toes may be stepped on. But so here's the reality. I'm strong enough to handle it. I just want you to be strong enough to handle it. Because here's the thing. I'm not coming at you with judgment. I'm trying to help God come in and change your perspective. Does, does it make sense? So if I talk about marriage, I realize some are divorced and some have remarried and some are going. So it will be the enemy that comes in and says, you say, la, 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 la. But, but that is not the heart of the communicator. The heart of the communicator is to set up how we're supposed to live. Does that make sense? You understand? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus dealt with this. When he talked about divorce, Matthew chapter 19, verse 4, I, w- I, want, to, I want you to read this and don't read it as I'm thinking about you because I ain't thinking about you. I'm thinking about the body of Christ. Look at this. He answered and said, Have you not read, He who was created from the beginning made male and female? They were talking, the religious people were asking, Is it okay to get divorced? Look at this. He said, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. You know it said male and female, right? In in the Bible. Don't get mad. I didn't write it. I didn't write it. But it does say it. Here's the problem. When we make godly concepts political, then they divide the church, and that was the enemy's plan. There are some things that are Democrat and Republican, but there are some things that are biblical. And when you make a political platform on a biblical issue, you're going to lose every time. Does that make sense? Okay, so boom, get mad. I love you. I love you. Okay, here we go. Therefore, a man should leave his father and mother. I read that part. Six. So, no, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. They are one. They're not two. They're one. What are they? One. We did math. Okay. <laughs> what, therefore, God has joined together, let man not separate. And they said to him, why then did Moses give a certificate of divorce to send her away? And his, this is Jesus' answer dealing with divorce. Because of your hardness of heart. 
Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. Now, just breathe and let me talk. Let me talk. I am not judging or condemning, but Jesus was saying that divorce and all of this had to happen because people's hearts get hard and there is one or two in the relationship that cease to be teachable. Is that true? There are one or two in the relationship that cease to be teachable and they will not surrender. This was not God's plan. Now, no one's going to feel, feel victimized. We are not going to have like all the married people on one side of the church and all the single and all the... We're not doing none of that, so don't, don't even flip. But, but, but all I'm saying is Jesus spoke to the heart of the issue and the heart of the issue is if your heart gets hard, every relationship that you have in your life will fail. Does this make sense? Okay, was that okay? Was that digestible? Everybody, we good with that? Y'all still like me? Okay. It doesn't mean that it's less painful. I mean, I, my parents got divorced. I was adopted from a foster home. My parents got divorced. I, I understand. I get it. But here's what I'm telling you. I believe that you can overcome that. I believe that God can restore. I believe that everything that the enemy takes away, God can add again. But I am telling you that your heart is very, very important to every relationship moving forward in your life. Does that make sense? Amen. The third thing is this. Third thing is this. Choices over feelings. Choices over feelings. We're talking about why love is complicated. Because our feelings, come on, are real. I did not know that the person I was going to marry would hurt my feelings all the time. And vice versa. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I occasionally do that. Actually, I do it a whole lot more. It's amazing that, and for all of those that think, oh, we're just going to find love, it's going to be great, daffodils, daffodils, daffodils. Let me just say this. The one that you're attracted to post-marriage is going to be the one that you're like drives you the most crazy after marriage. So just know that. Just know that. Know that. You know what I'm saying? There's an old saying that says before marriage, opposites attract. After marriage, opposites attack. You better write it down. <laughs> write it down. I'm just telling you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, those love flicks only last so long. Okay. I don't care who you are. When you feel devalued, rejected, and hurt, your nature is to disengage. Disengage. And I want to encourage you, some people who hurt you were not vindictive. They were just unaware. Come on, have you ever just said something in the moment and you found out later you hurt someone and you were like, that wasn't even my heart. But then sometimes you were like, yeah, that was my heart. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> you know, listen, listen. Some people are just unaware of what they said and how they acted. We don't give up on people. Jesus faced rejection all the way to the cross. The very people he was giving his life for were the very people mocking and laughing and spitting in him all the way to the cross. 
The goal in life isn't to feel comfortable. If your goal in life is to feel comfortable, you will never see love as missional. Well, our job is to keep reaching out. There was someone in this church today that, you know what, maybe love or, or hardness of heart or something has kind of shifted in you. And now you're trying to have life, but you keep everybody at a, at a distance. And you're wondering why the church isn't the same for you as it is for everyone else. And it will never be. It never be. When you, when you get hurt, when your feelings get hurt, you have to ask these questions. Could it be their past? Could it be their schedule? Could it be a character issue that God's working on? Could it be the enemy trying to tear us apart because he loves division? Could it be you? You shall love. The last thing I think that makes love complicated is you have to have conflict. I know when I say that, some of you like thinking WWE off the top rope, yelling, screaming, Jackie Chan, okay? But, but, but the truth of the matter is, I believe that in all relationships, the easy ones or the difficult ones, they all have a purpose for your life. And conflict is part of relationships. Maybe you saw it done really bad when you were a kid, and so you've not wanted to have conflict. But, but here's the thing. I'm not talking about fighting and vindictive and personal because here's good conflict is not about being right. It's about moving forward. How do we move forward? How do we move forward in this relationship? How do we move forward in this friendship? Because here's the thing. There will be a day when your character, your response, and your attitude did not produce what you wanted. And in that moment, when everybody's walking out, you want a few authentic friendships that are walking in. And how do you have those moments? By time. Working it out. Hey, when you said that, hey, when I did this, hey, I'm sorry, I feel disconnected. What's going on here? And you know what? Conflict and time and connection and, and handling uh, our, our emotions, all of that produces this connection with people where it's not surface. A surface friendship will never be able to take the tide of adversity. Never. Never. Who could there be... Need, maybe you need to have a little conflict. And I'm not like gaming you up. I don't want you playing Eye of the Tiger and then going out and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not, listen, listen. The truth is we are all momentarily in a standstill and we all need to change and we all need to have some communication and we all have questions that need to be asked. When we love people, we cannot avoid conflict we got to keep it life-giving. Don't ever come into a conflict intense. Pray it, oh, pray. But there, there have been times when I have prayed for a month and a half before I went and handled something. Because I had to check my heart and see if I was right or wrong. And, and, and you know what? Eight, eight times, eight, eight out of ten, it's me. And if I would just let that offense go and I would just let that all go, it would all come back to balance. And it would all come back. 
Listen, commit to a season of prayer when we're loving people. And so we're talking about concept, conflict. You know what? Here's the truth. Love should change your life. It should reach the city. It should grow the church. It should develop people. Because when we want to move in love. Now here's the, here's the big thing. How do you get more love? How do you get, because I, I mean you're motivated, right? Come on, love people. Love. Everybody group hug. You can't get more love. Why did you preach the sermon? If you told me how I needed to get more love, and now you're telling me I can't get more love, why are we talking about more love? <laughs> On your own, you cannot get more love. If you want more love, you have to get more Jesus. <clears throat> more Jesus funnels more love. God is love. He is the author and finisher of love. He has love. And so when you're next to him, you feel it. You exude it. And so you, you carry it to other people. You guys, come on. If you want more love, you got to get more of him. And here's the truth. A lot of conflict in our city, a lot of conflict in our nation, a lot of conflict in our jobs, a lot of conflict in our families is the direct result. It's not political. It's not ideology. Listen to what I'm saying. It's not because you were from the north and we're from the south. It's because we don't love. See, can I love you even though I don't know where you're from? Can I love you because... You know, you, you think a little different. Can I, can I love you because you, you, can I love you? Because if we'll do that, we'll change everything. Does that make sense? Here's my thought. As, you, as they get ready to, to play today, where has love been hindered from your life? Where has love, who hurts you? Come on, who's on your hate list? Okay, you're, sorry, y'all, y'all are believers. Who's on who's on your not like list? Because what what we do as Christians is this: we say, you know what, Stephen, I don't hate anybody. Yeah, but here's the deal: to ignore your mission field is to hate them. Wow. Our culture severs relationship with people. And so we think, I'm not hating you. I just don't care about, I, oh, I'm just not considering you. Here's a, here's a verse that I, I don't even know if it's up there. Yeah. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. I'm going to end with this. Are y'all good? Are we good? Okay. Luke 27, it says this. But I say to you who hear, I love Jesus. Jesus, he clarifies what needs to be clarified? It, like I have four kids, and when I get up and talk, for those of you kids actually listening, here's what I want to do. You know what I mean? But I say to you who hear, meaning some won't hear, some will not hear. Love your enemies. What? Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Come on, li- listen. 
You son of a blah, 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 blah. And some of y'all just got religious right then. Listen, think about this. Someone is literally cussing you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. What? Spitefully use you? Come on, this is 2018. We have boundaries. We, we do counseling. We, do, we, we set up interventions. How dare you spitefully you? You will find people in your life that need your love. And if we withdraw from every mean person in our life, we will all hide in the church. To him who strikes you on the cheek, oh Lord, offer the other. I don't have this mastered, okay? You strike me. (laughs) Oh Jesus. Look at this. To him who strikes you on the cheek, give him the other. And for him who takes away your cloak, You take away my cloak. Give him your tunic as well. To everyone who gives of you, and whoever wants to ask, give it to him. And for him who has taken away your goods, do not ask for them back. But just as you want men to do to you, do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is to you? For even sinners do that. Come on, it's not about loving the people who love you. Here's the thing. When Jesus makes an impact on your life, you're able to get out of the natural and start loving people with a supernatural love that is not contingent based on how people make you feel. The church will grow when people stop feeling themselves. That's the truth. When we stop worrying about how you made me feel, then we can get to the deeper transformational component that will change your life. And listen, we, we, we can see that with people who go to like missionary fields and someone died or something happened and they were just like so reckless. We're going we're gonna to save these people. But yet here in America, I'm going to post about you. I'm going to pit it. I'm going to pick it. I'm going to hate you. I'm going to leave you. I'm going to... And it's coming from the church. Here's my call. Let's get healed. Let's do better. And let's be a church that loves people. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message ministered to you. Feel free to let us know on the Connect tab of the House Church app. We hope you have a great week.